Hello and welcome to Living Word, growing a family that experiences every promise of God. You're listening to another life-changing word from Pastor Scott Anderson. For more information, visit our website at livingwordonline.com. Give a big hand clap to those that are watching us on podcast, vidcast. Come on. Don't forget about our daily Bible study. Uh, It's Monday through Friday. It's called Wake Up. If you go to YouTube and you type in daily Bible study, it's us that comes up. And uh, we start our day off with a scripture and a pray over your day. We have a whole lot of fun. We have Chuck Norris Fridays and we have, you guys hear a beep? Was that in my head? All right, sometimes things are going on in there you don't want to know about. And... (laughs) And uh, it's a good time, and we are, because of all of you, we are the number one daily Bible study in the world. Come on, somebody out there. You know, on uh, Mother's Day, I want to say that you mamas, you make life fun. You really do. I know you're, you, you work hard at changing us, especially as us boys. You, you're changing us and helping us be better at life. But, you know, when you show up to events and get family time and morning, you just bring fun. It's just so fun. And I know the women in my life, I, I get to tease them a lot, and they laugh, and they have fun, and they do fun stuff. And my mom is... For my whole life, she's pure comedy. She is. Whatever she does, she brings so much comedy. And so I thought it'd be fun to splash some mama stories all the way through today's teaching with y'all. And I got the idea on Thursday. On Thursday, me and mama were out uh, for Mother's Day. I took her out. And we went down to Scottsdale Mall. And we had lunch. And I took her shopping and got her some stuff. And then we were waiting for our our valet car, you know, because you always valet the Kia. And so... Yeah, I showed up, they're like, are you sure you want to valet this? Yes, I am sure. I want to valet the key. And so we were sitting there, and we were just talking, and, and she was talking about last weekend, we all went out for East, uh, graduation out to Nebraska, had a great time as a family, and she was saying, you know, I, w- I was just talking to your wife, and she really helped me out. I w- there was, you know, there was this, this desire of my heart, and it just didn't look like it was ever going to happen, and your wife just said, you know what, you got to give it to God, just let it go, just die to it, and let, put it in God's hands. And I, I looked at her, and I go, what was, what was the desire? What was it? And she thought for a moment I don't remember and I'm like <laughs> it's like four days ago you already forgot it you let it go way go mama <laughs> years ago probably about two three years ago uh, we were out to lunch me and mama and she uh, she goes ask me something I go what ask me something ask me something about yesterday's something something I need to remember and so I go What'd you have for lunch? She goes, Vito's. I had Vito's yesterday. I had the salad and a little bit of pizza. And she was so excited. I'm like, good for you, mom. Great. You remember lunch yesterday? She goes, no, no, no. Your father got us memory pills. She's like, I can remember everything now. (laughs) I said, that's awesome. Good. Right? So a couple weeks go by and uh, I was talking to her and I asked her something. She goes, I I don't remember. And I go, what happened with the memory pills? She goes, oh my gosh. Okay, so we have people that are working on the house and suddenly your father decided that we needed to hide them and we hid them and now we can't remember where we put them. (laughs) (laughs) Mamas, you make it fun. We're in our Mother's Day series. I've been doing it now five years now. And it all started on a flight to Nebraska. 
Now, I fly all the time, all over the place, and it's fun to sit there and wait to see who God's going to put next to me. It's all, you don't know if you're going to get the loud person, you're going to get the rude person, you're going to get the chatterbox, right? You're going to get the armrest dealer, are you going to get the, right, the person that has to go to the bathroom 48 times? We don't know what we're going to get. And, you know, people ask me, well, do you, do you witness on the plane? And I'm always, I'm the guy who, I look for open doors. I'm not the guy that right when you sit down, I go, you know, the plane could go down. Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? <laughs> I'm not that guy. It's not how I do it. I wait for open doors. And, you know, conversation will kind of start. And, and uh, people may, you know, and here's what's funny is uh, most of the time, because I like to just kind of get my studying done, your, your business, I'm business, right? I'll talk if you want to talk. I kind of am a chameleon that way. I just, I, I mirror whatever you do. But it's nice when I get to just study. And, you know, oftentimes people start talking to me. And, oh, what do you do for a living? And I'll say a pastor. And they're like, oh. And then they're, just, they're done talking to me for the rest of the flight. <laughs> Until there's turbulence, then! I had a lady, we hit some crazy turbulence. And early on, she found out I was a pastor. She didn't want to talk to me no more. But we hit some crazy, we were bouncing around. And she, she saw, uh, you're a pastor. I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. She goes, can you do the, the pastor thing? Can you do a little pastor thing? I said, yeah, of course I, I can, yeah. And so I received an offering and... Um, <laughs> And it didn't seem to help her much. <laughs> so I was sitting on a, I was sitting there, I was waiting, I was on a real small plane going to Nebraska. Like when I say small, it's like one of the ones where the, the, you know, the pilot can just go, hey guys, sit down, like it's so small. And there's, uh, there's two seats and then one little seat over there and so I'm sitting by the window and I'm like, all right God, who we got with me today? And all of a sudden I hear coming on in some loud, just a loud boisterous woman and she's talking to the people, she's going down the aisle, she's like, hey, oh you're cute as a button and she's just loud talking to people and here she comes, just a big old Nebraska woman, she's 67 years old, I'll tell you how I know that later, uh, right? And here she comes on down the aisle, just bringing, just bringing, just this boisterous, loud, right? And she comes to the seat, and she looks at me, and she goes, you are little. <laughs> she goes, that's all right. She said, because I'm a big old girl. The two of us are going to fit in there just nice. But if we don't, I'll just put you up in the overhead. <laughs> And normally I would be greatly annoyed by this whole line of conversation, but she was just so fun. And uh, so she sat down, and, and normally I'll fight over the armrest, but I'm like, not today. I ain't getting this one. And so she gets in there, and she pulls out a whole bunch of yarn, different colors on her lap, and she got these two little sticks. And then she just begins to work them little sticks. She's just working those things. And then she's just talking to me. She begins to just tell me about her, her marriage uh, uh, 47 years, and, and, and her five, seven kids, and 22 grandkids, and going through all the stuff that happened, and everything. And I'm kind of... I'm listening, but I'm kind of on my phone there, and I'm like, and she's like, oh, you're on your phone. You like, you have iPhone. I go, yeah. She goes, well, here you go. And here she goes. She hands me an iPhone case. She goes, this is for you. <laughs> well, I can't wait to show that bad bay off at the gym. <laughs> that is so nice. Thank you. 
there she goes. She's just gabbing and gabbing and talking. And uh, then she asked me, so what, you know, tell me about you. So I tell them, you know, about uh, Mahali. And I'm going through all the different kids. And then I, she's like, four boys. She's like, whoa. And then I tell her about Savvy. My girl got my girl. And she's like, oh, yeah. And she reaches down in her bag. And she's like, she likes dolls. I go, yeah. She goes, here you go. She gave me little hats. That might be for me, but the doll, I don't know which one it's for. <laughs> Gave me a couple little little things for that. And she goes, well, what do you do for a living? And uh, I go, and I thought, well, maybe this is going to make her be quiet, because it does oftentimes. I go, well, I'm a pastor. And she goes, oh, I thought I was going to have to get you saved. <laughs> I go, she goes, she got real close. She goes, now, do I need to get you saved? I go, no, you don't have to get me saved. I'm saved. I'm good. She goes, well, here. And her little, she was just working and working. I don't know if God told her. She goes, well, here you go. And she gave me this right here. Match my phone. Oh, I got it all figured out. <laughs> and we get to chatting and talking for three hours all the way whole thing. And now we're getting ready to land. And pilot says, hey, we're getting ready. And she leans over and she goes, hey, I, I, I want to give you something special. I always like to give people something special. And I'm thinking, is it like a suit? Are you, are you, are you crocheting me a suit? <laughs> she goes, I'm going to give you what I would say the Auntie A's secret to life. And so I'm like, good. She kind of leaned in a little bit. She goes, the secret to life is laughing. She goes, learn to laugh at yourself and laugh with others and try and put a smile on everybody's face or whoever you come in contact with. And I said, Auntie A, I said, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to use that in a sermon. She goes, oh, preach it to me now. I said, well, I don't have it yet. <laughs> she said, but when I get it, I'll, I'm going to definitely, you can watch it on the YouTube. And, you know, ever since that moment with Auntie A, I have been doing every year a what would it be like to sit with some of the greats from the Bible on a plane and have them share with us the secret to life. What are some of the secrets of life that we get? I know from Auntie A, her secret was, number one, write it down, is laugh. Learn to live a life of bringing joy wherever you go. Making a way to put a smile on people's face. It can be as easy as just smiling at somebody. It could be an encouraging word, something that builds somebody up, something that encourages them. But learn to laugh at yourself and learn to laugh with other people in life. That, learn to just to be that person that brings joy wherever you go, just like Auntie A. But number two, write down deposit. You know, Auntie A makes a deposit wherever she goes. I think oftentimes in life, we can get so caught up in taking. What can I get out of this relationship? What can I get out of this person? What can I get out of my, my job? Instead, I believe that Auntie A is telling us a great life is one where you make a deposit into people's lives. That every time I leave someone, I left them better than when I showed up. That I deposited some kind word. I deposited some hope into their life, into their day. I made some deposits in the lives that are, are around us. The... Uh, first two that we're going to fly with today is we're going to fly with two women whose lives were changed at the well. Two women whose lives were changed at the well. We got Rebecca sitting next to us on the plane uh, and then we also got the Samaritan woman at the well. And I think that as we're flying along that Rebecca would begin to kind of share what happened on a particular day that she didn't think anything would change. She got up normal and she was just going down to the well 
And she didn't know that there waiting was a man that was sent by Abraham to find a wife for his son. And that he had prayed and said, I, I, I want the woman who doesn't just offer me water, but the woman that goes over and beyond and offers water for my camels. And Rebecca didn't know that, you know, the habits that she had already put inside of her life are going to be the ones that are going to open up some big doors because she had a habit of just going beyond the call of duty, of not just doing just enough, but she always goes over the top in whatever she does. And that habit that she had would be a habit that would set her on the course of her purpose and her destiny. And as she showed up there and offered him some water and gave some water for the camels, ooh, all of a sudden the doors of opportunity sprung open. And so number three, write this down. Rebecca would say the secret to an amazing life from her perspective would be great opportunities come when you give to others. You know, we spend a life of trying to open our own doors, open up our own opportunities. And I have found that in my life, every time I've tried to make a way, a way never opens up. Every time I try to elevate my life, it doesn't seem to go anywhere. It was always at the points, just like Rebecca, when I did something kind, something loving, something generous to someone not expecting anything at all, not even thinking that somehow it would possibly be tied to my purpose and my destiny. See, I think that in life so many times, man, if I can just make this happen, if I can just make that happen, but God is looking for your love so it can be a conduit for him to open up some great doors of opportunity in your life. I tried so hard to get on television, wherever it could be, any type of show or anything, talk about my books. I tried hard, letter, everything. It didn't matter. I did all of it. And I got zero, no opportunities. Who'd have known that my biggest opportunity on getting in t on television would happen in a small town of Laurel, Mississippi, where I went down in there and I, pro I taught to a very small church of about 50 people. And at this particular church, who would have guessed that a single mom, just recently singled, doing it all on her own, I believe she had three kids, came up and she was looking at my finance stuff because she wanted some financial difference in her life. And I said, you know what? As I found out about her life, I said, you know what? I'm going to give you all of it. All of my books, all of my CDs, all, everything that I have on finance, I want to give into your life. Right? And, and she said, well, if you, could you pray over me also? And she's like, you know, I'm all alone. And I don't want to be all alone. And, and, and it's tough right now. And I said, well, here, I'm also going to give to you how to meet Mr. or Mrs. Wright book, uh, uh, CD set that I have. And I prayed with her and off she went. And six months later, she met the man of her dreams. And they got married within the year. When they were packing her uh, up, he had come across my Think Like a Billionaire book. And he's like, oh, I want to read that. And he threw it in the cab of his truck. And later that week, he was having lunch with an old high school friend who just happened to be popping in town who works for CNN. And as they were having lunch, the friend was talking to him how he's in charge of finding some guests to be for the, for the billionaire week that CNN does every week. And the guy goes, you know, I got a book called Think Like a Billionaire in the Cab of My Truck. And so he got on the book. Now, of course, it was, they were going on a deadline, so he didn't have time to go through the book and find out that it's all full of God and God's promises and his principles all the way through. So they called, CNN called me up at about 10 o'clock, said, hey, we need him to be on within the hour. He's going to be on with Steve Forbes. Who'd have guessed, come on somebody, that my biggest opportunity would come 
from giving a single mom in a small church. This is how God works in life. Galatians 6, 7 says this, God will not be mocked whatever you sow, you will reap. So when I give somebody opportunity, I'm going to reap opportunity in my own life. When I give, see, we go through life, oftentimes we can find ourselves trying to take. Now, if I'm just taking, what is my harvest going to be? My harvest is going to be people that are taking from me. Wherever I go, everybody's trying to take something from me. See, it's just a harvest. But if I learn to just give wherever's around and I just begin to give and sow into people's life, well, Pastor, what all, I don't know if I have anything to give. You can give a smile. You can give a word of encouragement. You can give somebody a pep talk. You can give somebody some hope. You can give them a brightness of their day. You can give them a whole lot. Some of you high schoolers and junior hires out there, you can give somebody acceptance. You can look around and find that new kid that is sitting off by themselves, and you can go over there and you can give them something that they dream for, and that's some acceptance. You know, when you try to make your way in school and become the popular kid, it doesn't seem to ever work that way. But when you just live a life of accepting and giving it to others, you'll be amazed at how God brings accepting people into your own world. You can go home and you could give your parents a great night by simply smiling at them and sharing your day. Just two minutes of your day is all we're asking for. You can just say, Mama, I'm so lucky to have you. And all you give, you can give Mom some thanksgiving, give them some thankfulness. You can give into her day. You can say, I'm going to do the dishes tonight. And she'll faint, you pick her up, and then you... <laughs> See, we all at every level of life have the ability to make a deposit and to give somebody something. And when I give it, God will open up some opportunities in my life. I believe that the Samaritan woman would begin to talk then there on the plane and begin to share her experience. How did she know that a little trip to the well would possibly change not just her, but her whole town? And she began to talk to this guy at the well. He was talking to her. He's like, I, I don't think we should be talking because you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. He said, that don't matter. And he just kept talking. And she's like, but this doesn't make sense. We don't talk to each other. We're, in a sense, enemies. And he just kept talking to her and talking to her. And she would say this to you. This would be our number four thing. Number four, write this down. She would say, God loves and accepts you just the way you are. I think there's so much power in that. You can give the Lord a hand clap there. Come on, somebody wanted to do that. Because I want you to know the enemy's device. The enemy wants you to think, just like her, oh wait, I'm a Samaritan, oh, I'm a sinner, oh, I'm messed up, oh, I've got a whole bunch of baggage in my life. The enemy wants you to think that, that way you kind of stay away. But her advice to you is, God loves you and accepts you exactly the way you are. No matter what you say, well, I don't think you should be, I don't know if I can go to church with this stuff, right? God says, no, no, come on through the doors. Come on, get filled up. I love and accept you exactly the way you are. And then she would say, number five, that God will use you in the middle of your mess. You know that Jesus didn't say, hey, go get your life straight and then I'll use you. Hey, get everything in order. Stop your sinning. Stop your junk in your life and then I'll use you. Right in the middle of her mess, he, God used her to save the entire town. And God wants to use you in spite of whatever you're going through, whatever you've done, whatever's in your past, whatever baggage you got, no matter how much messed up you think that you are, God wants to use you if you allow him to change the lives and make a difference and everywhere that you go, can we get an amen anywhere in the house today? You're a difference maker. How does the enemy keep you from making a difference? 
He gets you to believe that God doesn't accept you that way and that your mess is too big for God to use. But God says, love you, accept you, and I desire greatly to use you to make a difference in this world. Mama, uh, I got two cute little stories. One of the ones is when my parents first got married, they, uh, they had one car. And so, uh, you know, dad would take it, mom would take it, and they got saved, and mama said, hey, I want to go to the Bible study. So she took the car that night to go to the Bible study. Next morning, dad got up to go to work and went outside, and there was no car. So he woke up mom and, and said, where's the car? She's like, how would I know? He goes, well, you took the car last night to the Bible study. She goes, well, I got a ride home. And so... <laughs> <laughs> my mom's an encourager she is if you ever get a moment to talk with her she will just build you up and encourage her she loves to get on social media and she loves to give an encouraging word she does it. I'll find it on my page all the time on this particular day she's just thinking of my dad she's like you know what he, I just want to encourage him tell him how awesome he is so she got on the computer what she didn't know was the computer was logged in as my dad So as she wrote down these encouragement, it looks like my dad is bragging about himself. <laughs> there it is. You can always see this is true. You can see this is true. I kept him forever. This is what my, my dad wrote about himself. My mom actually wrote. So what an amazing man of God you are. <laughs> always walking in love and mercy and reaching out in such an anointed way to touch the lives of people and touch the world for Jesus. I'm so in love with you. <laughs> like when you read this, you're like, wow, he really loves himself. <laughs> you are my hero. <laughs> Thank you, God, for creating such a great man. <laughs> Dr. Tom believes in himself. On our flight back here, now we got Naomi and Ruth are sitting beside us. And uh, what two great, incredible women who overcame some great obstacles as they begin to share how the two of them found themselves all alone. Uh, both of them widows at the time. And Naomi is talking about how Ruth's not my daughter. She's my daughter-in-law. And we're out and about and going and Naomi decides that, you know what? I'm done in this life. I'm going to go back to God's place. I'm going to go back to where I got started with God and his people. I'm going back to God, in a sense. So here, here's where I'm going. Ruth, do what you want to do. And Ruth decides, she says this, you know what, Naomi? Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. I'm going to follow you. And Naomi would say to you and I, what she would believe would be maybe the secret to life, number six. Don't force people to change. Let them follow you to God's best. Naomi didn't force change on Ruth. Naomi didn't shove Jesus down her throat. Didn't shove God and the principles to say, hey, you got to do this. you got to live your life right. Instead, Naomi said, hey, I'm going to go this direction. This is what I know what's best. And allow Ruth the opportunity to say, I too want that. See, the world is watching you and I. 
And when we try to force Jesus down their throat, and when we try to force God's ways and, and the right things to do, and we, we're all after our adult children and trying to change them. We're all over our, our brothers, our sisters, our, our co-workers, and we're trying to force rules and things on their lives. It never seems to work. Nobody ever changes. But what changes, Jesus even gave that picture. Jesus showed us with Zacchaeus that it was just love and acceptance. And when I just love and accept people, people then begin to change on their own. People desire to be good. And they desire to have a great life. And they desire those things. And so if you and I can learn that I just go in the right direction, people will begin to follow me to God's best in their life. And I believe that Ruth would begin to share with us about what it was for her and how it was at that moment that time and she would say you know what it was amazing because my past was horrible I was a Mobite woman and the Mobites are known to be the most perverse generation the world has ever known that it started that, that those people started from the incest between Lot and his daughters and that 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 whole generation and what they did and the things they did were known to be the worst but she would say to you and I number seven Write this one down. Number seven, your past will never stop you from God's best. Your past will never stop you. She said, my past, I would never believe that, that I would be acceptable and that things would change. She said, but all I had to do was turn from my past and turn towards God. And when I made that decision to take and go towards God, all of a sudden, everything in life began to change. I met the man of my dreams, not just any man, but a man that would fight for me because he wasn't allowed to marry a Mobite woman, but he went to the gates and he fought for me. And not just that, but I ended up being in the lineage of Jesus Christ. I want you all to know that God did not pick somebody because they had the perfect pedigree. He didn't pick some people that were perfect and had the great past and were living just the perfect life. He picked somebody that had a messed up past and that should get you excited if you got a messed up past because God wants to use you. And all he asks is that you turn from the system of the world that is broken and doesn't work and do what Ruth did and you just simply turn towards the... did was turn. Yep. <laughs> just turned. See how turn changes everything. I no longer can hear the old things, the old ways. Come on, somebody. I can't hear that old junk. I don't hear the old disappointments. I don't hear the things, the things that I failed at. I don't hear the junk that happened back in the years. I don't hear about my failures, but instead, when I turn my head, all I can see is what is ahead, that God's goodness, his blessings, his prosperity, the life that he has is up ahead of me. Mama and me were having a meeting in my office. We were going over a conference, and uh, it was a pretty good meeting. And all of a sudden, I got a pain in my side. It felt like somebody had stabbed me with a knife. It hurt so bad, I fell out of my chair and onto the floor in a just a, a shriek, right? And so Mama, of course, she came over, and she began to just pray right away. And she's like, are you, are you all right? And I'm like, no, I'm not all right. I, I'm like, I, I, it hurts. And, she, and she's like, you want me to call 911? I said, no, no, not 911. I said, just go get Dad. She goes, you want me to get Dad? I said, yeah, get Dad. I'll have him take me down to the, to the emergency room or we'll go to urgent care or something. And it just hurt. I was just there lying in pain. And off mama went. And then all of a sudden, pain went away. It's like, oh, God is good. That was a good healing. All right, thank you, God. <laughs> Nothing there. I got up in my chair. And, whew. I sat down. And I began to just go back to work. About an hour later, 
mama comes into my office, she got a little notebook, and she goes, so now what did we decide that we were gonna do with the guest speaker? <laughs> and so I looked up, and all of a sudden our eyes locked, and realization came to both of us. The last time you saw me, I was dying. <laughs> you left me on the ground to go get help. <laughs> You forgot. You forgot that your firstborn was dying on the ground. I go, you forgot. You forgot I was dying right there on the ground. And she looks and she goes, oh, I prayed over you. Don't be a big baby. <laughs> okay. That's how Andersons do it. <laughs> Stop bleeding all over the floor. Come on, somebody out there. We're going to close with, I would say, um, I don't know, to me, maybe one of the, the biggest people, uh, most important, uh, that maybe we could sit next to, I would say, so far on this plane ride. I thought Mother Mary would be a great one to close with. As we're sitting with Mother Mary and just talking about, you know, what it was like and what was going on, she's sharing with you and I. And I thought to myself, I think that what she would share with us, the secret of life, because I think she would say, you know, when God was looking of who to entrust his son, his only son with, as he looked all over the earth, what was the most important characteristic that they had to have to entrust Jesus Christ with? It wasn't the pedigree. It wasn't their social status. It wasn't how many followers they had on Twitter. It wasn't really the smartest or the most gifted person. Wasn't the one that had the highest SAT scores. Wasn't the one that accomplished the most things and had done so much. It wasn't that they had a whole bunch of money. They didn't look like the Kardashians and they didn't have the, the perfect. But the one thing that God looked at and said this is the most important thing they have to have to have the environment for my son was Mary full of grace. She had to be full of grace. God was looking. So, so what, what happens is, is God's word gets in there. In order for it to work at its best, it has to have an environment of grace. An environment that understands that people are people. People make mistakes all the time. People say dumb things. Your husband will say two or three on the way home today. This is what we do. We're going to do insensitive things. People are going to do selfish things. People are going to take credit for things that you have done. They're going to do all of these things. And Mary would say to you and I, finally, this last point, number eight, grace is the conduit to God's blessing. I believe that when we create an atmosphere of grace and we hear the Word of God, that Word of God gets into that area of grace in our lives. And it has the ability to produce the most. When Jesus Christ, which is the Word, gets into that grace of our world, my life begins to elevate. When I don't, see, I don't have unforgiveness if I'm walking in grace. I'm not frustrated and angry and mad at you if I'm walking in grace because I know you made a mistake and I love you just the way you are. I accept you the way that you are. And I walk through my day and I walk through my life and I wake up in the morning tomorrow and say, all right, I'm going to fill myself up with grace. I know people are going to cut me off. I know somebody's going to be rude at the office. I know these things are going to happen, but people are people. 
You know what I want when I make a mistake? I want grace. I don't mean to make mistakes, but I do make them. What do you want when you make a mistake? I want some grace. I want people to realize that I'm just trying to do my best and I don't always do my best. And sometimes I do selfish things and sometimes I do things where I'm not thinking, I'm even driving to church thinking about my sermon and you cut me off. I do things that I shouldn't do too. And what I like is I like to have grace. And if you and I can learn to be filled with grace and to love and accept everyone that God has crossed your path, you'll see that word of God that you grab a hold of begins to produce so much more in your life that I have created an environment. I don't get angry. I'm grace. All right, you did that. That's all right. I love you. Oh, you talk bad about me behind my back. You know, the best thing you can do is to love them and accept them. Not to go talk bad about them behind their back, but to show them something different. Be merry, full of grace. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we're going to continue this conversation on our daily Bible study. You can go to YouTube and type in daily Bible study. We're the number one daily Bible study in the world on YouTube. And we're going to continue this conversation. We do a morning scripture. We pray every day. It's maybe 10, 12, 15 minutes long. Yeah. Subscribe to it. You're going to love it. We got our Married for Life book out there. You know, me and Holly found out that, you know what destroys relationships? Fights. And you know what? There's a way to get in and out of arguments in less than five minutes and get rid of 98% of all the fights that are going on out there. So, you know, imagine if you got rid of all those fights. Well, how do I do that? How do we get rid of the dumb fights and then be able to get in and out of fights in five minutes. And if you enjoy my stories, every chapter has some of me and Holly's dumbest fights. We fought <laughs> over potato salad, flip-flops. I love it. You name it, we have. And so you can get this on Amazon. Just type in Married uh, for Life and Scott Anderson. You see all the books that I have. We want to spend a moment, and if you're watching this and you're not saved, and you don't know where your eternity is going to end up, it's so simple. You know, it's not about rules, it's not about religion, it's not about following a set, it's all about believing. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you're saved. Simple, easy, say this prayer after me. Believe in your heart and you have it. Everybody say, Dear Father, I ask you right now, come into my life, be my Lord, and be my Savior. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for all of my sins and was raised from the dead. I believe that Jesus is the Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. You're saved. Amen. Well, if you want, we would love to have you partner with us in what we're doing. You know, this word that Pastor Scott's preaching, it's going all over the globe, the daily Bible study as well. And you can be part of what we're doing around the world. So I just encourage you, visit wakeuptv.tv. You can donate right there and join the team of believers that are making a difference. And if you don't have a church home, find one. It's so important to a great life that you are planted in the house of the Lord. Remember that this is the day that the Lord hath made. Come on, let's rejoice and be glad in it. See you next time.